What's testing? Okay, good. Cody told me it was really easy. Can you all hear me okay? Is that all right? He's like, it's just one button. Just push the button. Man, I'm nervous. Um, well, um, okay, let's, um, <clears throat> let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for uh, thank you for this time together tonight. <clears throat> God, I just pray that you would um, calm my nerves and um, allow your your word to to go forth, God, in a way that I can't uh, proclaim, but your Spirit can. And God, that um, the folks that are here would would receive it, um, and that you would let them receive it. God, that we, would, um, that we would learn more about what it means to be content in you, that our heart is in the right place in you, um, and God, that you would, um, that I would get out of the way, Lord, and, and that, you would, um, that you would speak tonight. Uh, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. Um, it is a privilege, and... Um, and I just thank you for, most of all, for Christ and just what he has done, um, the king of contentment, um, and what he has done that, is, uh, that has allowed us to come together and, and worship tonight. And I pray, God, that that's what you would find us doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I've already, I've already messed up tonight. Y'all don't know that. But um, I was wanting to count the number of people here, because I, I need to have a figure. So, Cody, can you count for me, just everybody here, and divide that by one-third? That would be great. So, um, my hope and desire for the next um, few weeks, just so you know, is, is that you hear the truth, and that you don't... Um, and that you don't hear me. I mean, I know that might sound a little bit overstated, and maybe it's probably um, understood, especially coming from this, this pulpit, and it should go without saying, but um, I need to confess that, um, I, and I suppose that Scott and Ben and Brad could probably testify to this, you know, as you prepare for something, a lot of clay wants to come out of me right now because I'm very passionate about this particular, well, I'm passionate about the Lord, um, but I'm passionate about this particular subject tonight, and, uh, and I'm not always right, but God's Word is, and so um, I hope that you would hear tonight um, the work of the Spirit uh, through God's Word, and, and I'm trusting that the Spirit would do a couple of things, that He would maybe confirm in some of you what is is currently going on in your in your household uh, concerning your finances and concerning contentment, and hopefully challenge and encourage uh, others as you hear this to ultimately um, challenge you as you uh, continue in what you've heard tonight. So our journey, our little roadmap for the next few weeks. Yes, you do have me for two weeks. This side of the room, 
I do feel like, I, I see what everybody's talking about now on Wednesday night. It's like, bah! Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about two different things. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to, first two weeks. Um, the first week, what is contentment for the believer? And what contentment is not uh, for the believer, biblically? Um, and I will have some practical application as well as we move throughout the lessons, um, some take-homes, if you will, and I will inform you of those uh, as we come to them. And then, uh, what's so funny, and I'm probably going to run over, and I hope I don't, but um, if we have to, we'll just, we'll just stop and pick up next week. At least I think that's how they do it on Wednesday nights. Um, it's so funny that, that Chad was really nervous, wherever Chad is, uh, talking about um, sharing his testimony, uh, or just sharing what's on his heart, because I, I talk a lot about that tonight. And so, if you would allow, I'm going to share a little bit about um, Corey and I and our testimony, our financial testimony, if you will, as well. <clears throat> our text tonight, if you want to go ahead and turn there, is from Philippians, uh, pretty much the whole book. Uh, we'll be there first, so you can go ahead and turn to Philippians. And then next week... Um, Hopefully what we'll do is we will take this doctrine of contentment that we've learned and, um, and we will <clears throat> talk about what to do with it. You know, how are we going to walk in this contentment? And we'll look at some, maybe look at some snapshots of, of, of who and what James did, um, a little more what Paul did, and maybe a little bit uh, about what Moses <clears throat> did as well. So... To the meat of, of what we're going to talk about tonight is contentment. You're in the book of Philippians. Let's turn there. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. And I want to ask a lot of questions, and I'm going to need your feedback. <clears throat> so, Lynn, your feedback. Um, what is biblical, biblical contentment for the, for the believer? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to need some water, I think. What is, what is biblical contentment? What is contentment? Anybody? Satisfaction in his provisions. Good. What else? Good. And him. And him alone. Good. Good. What else? Good. Circumstances. It's a good word there. Regardless of the circumstances. What else? One more. What is contentment? Biblically. Not looking for more. Is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're satisfied with what you have. So... Um, what I'm going to attempt to do is to move through the first three chapters of Philippians, just focusing on a few verses in each chapter. Thanks. And, <clears throat> um, but before I move on, there's a resource that I want to refer to. <clears throat> that book, or the resource is a book, 
called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Have you all heard about that? Anybody heard of it? Okay. Very interesting title, um, uh, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment um, by Jeremiah Burroughs. Um, and this book has been recommended often from this pulpit, and for good reason. I've not read the book completely. Um, it's a little, it's a tough read, and, uh, but, it, you know, I, I recommend it. And, and to be quite honest with you, it was really difficult with a title like The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment to, to extract a definition of what contentment is from, from Jeremiah Burroughs. So what did I do? I went to the end of the book. And I said, okay, how did he end it? And it was really kind of funny how, you know, the Lord just kind of works that out. He had two points at the last chapter of the book that I thought were worth of, uh, worthy of noting. Number one, to attain this Christian contentment, he said, to profound, his first point was, to profound several considerations for contenting the heart in any afflicted condition. And I thought, well, um, so Corey, so Corey, when I first read her, she said, so you need to define profound. And I said, well, yeah, I do. So the, the, the verb tense there means, and this is interesting, having intellectual depth and insight or extending far below the surface. And so to restate what he says, where positionally are, is your heart, regardless of the circumstance, whether in want or in plenty? Okay? Where is the heart in any affliction? Number two, he said, to profound, once again, wonderful word, to profound directions of what should be done for the working of our hearts to this. In other words, what are we doing and how are we moving as a believer that prepares this position of our heart? What are you doing that prepares where you are in your heart for contentment? So if you're in Philippians, let's just start um, there in chapter 1. Paul, obviously, is, as you know, is, is the author. To the, this, this is a letter to the church in Philippi. And our focus tonight, we just on a few highlights of the letter with an objective of zeroing in on uh, chapter 4, which is Paul's exhortation and encouragement to this particular church. So let's begin in chapter 1. Chapter 1, and let's um, go down to verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. going to read 12 through 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of us and most of the brothers have, have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The content believer will be used by God to change those around him. Skip down to verse 21. It reads, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful... No, it's not right. 
No, 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Very simple. The content believer understands to live is Christ and die is gain. You have an eternal perspective. Okay? The content believer always sees God's eternal perspective. Always. Let's move over to chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. It reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. The content believer is willing to work out his or her salvation with fear and trembling. What does that look like? <laughs> Corey, please don't give your example. You can, though. I need a little, like, breaking of the, of the ice here. So, go ahead. Please share your example. <laughs> How do you work your salvation out, Corey? What do you think of when... When I say you need to work your salvation out with fear and trembling. Yeah. So shaggy. Okay, good. So, so what does that look like? Seriously, let's let's talk about this. What does working out your salvation look like? Anybody? It's active, good. Great word. Doing something that's uncomfortable. Sharing your faith. Okay, good. Being submissive. May cause a change in direction. May cause a change in direction, yeah. Our ways are not his way are not his ways. What else? Good. Yep. Obedience. Okay. You should not be stagnant in your salvation. You're always moving, active. I love the word active. You're always doing something, whether you're growing or sharing or obeying or being, continuing. You're not stagnant. Okay. Verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I think, does anybody have one that says questioning? Without grumbling or questioning. The content believer will do all things without grumbling or questioning. Do any of us do all things without grumbling? <laughs> Thank you, Brad. It all means all. Verse 16. Halfway down. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run or labor or vain, run in vain or labor in vain. The content believer will hold fast, and he's holding and clinging to life. This 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 Christianity, holding and clinging to life as a believer in Christ, believing and obeying His word, holding fast to believing and obeying His word. Let's move over to chapter 3, verse 1. 
Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. The content believer is rejoiceful. Singing when no one's looking. Okay, that's good. How about singing when people are looking? You're, you're rejoicing. Um, when we're in this place of worship, we need to see joy on each other's hearts, on, on, our, on our face. We need to walk and sing and act um, as if we are rejoiceful. And Paul states it again in chapter 4, verse 4. You don't, have to, you don't have to turn there. But he says, therefore, my brothers, no. He says in verse 4 of chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's probably the more popular verse. So rejoice. Back to chapter 3, verse 3. Verses 3 through 8. For we are the circumcision, Paul states, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has more reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the, of, of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing work of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The content believer understands and you know who you are. Paul is is telling them who he was before Christ. The Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, the persecutor of the church, blameless, but yet when he found the Lord, he became content. But you know who you are and you proclaim it. As, as we did tonight. When God lays on your heart to proclaim something, you proclaim it boldly. And so now, moving into chapter 4, the key verse of, of the lesson tonight, or one of them. I'm going to read all of chapter 4, and then we'll come back and, and look at verse 9. In verses 10 through 13. Therefore, my brothers, verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea, and I entreat, as Scott would say, as Scott would say, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me. In the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, my brothers, finally, brothers, what is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthiness of praise, think about these such things. You have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10. I will rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have, re- you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We're going to stop there just for the sake of time, as far as reading on. But let's look back at at verse 9. What you have learned, he says, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The content believer will see, they will observe, or they will observe, they will hear, they will receive, and then ultimately they will learn. So what is Paul's call to this this church in this particular verse? Verse 9, what is he asking asking them to do? Verse 9, chapter 4. To mimic, good. What does it say? Practice these things. The content believer will put into practice what they have heard. The evidence of learning in this verse is the practicing. And... The practicing leads to what? Peace. Well, the God of peace will be with you. So, for the sake of our study tonight, Paul really confirms this point in our next passage. Down at verse 10 and 11. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He has learned and he understands where he is. If we can refer back to Jeremiah Burroughs for a minute. Where his position is, where he is in his contentment. Um, and he knows where he is in all circumstances. Okay? So, that's some really good meat on what contentment is from Paul. And so, now let's look at what contentment is not. So, I'll ask the same question, same exercise. Y'all tell me, what is not contentment for the believer? Worry, good. Being anxious, we just read that. What else? 
Doubt. Okay, good. Happy, happy, happy. Good, so happy. It's not about happiness. What is not contentment? What else? Complaining, good. We even, we even read that as well. Grumbling or questioning. You never have enough. Yeah. Always wanting more. I know this sounds very elementary, but contentment is not possessing more things. It's just so simple. But we all do it. I want a, you know, I want a new shotgun. You know, I want a new four-wheeler. I mean, I don't have a four-wheeler. I want, a, I want one. How about that? Uh, and gosh, I spend endless hours on Craigslist looking for four-wheelers. It's just crazy. Turn to cha- uh, Matthew chapter 6. What else contentment is not is contentment is not found in a created being. Your fear and your approval of man should not be your source of contentment. If you haven't read When People Are Big and God is Small, just, just read it. It's so good. Y'all, it did so much for me for, for that very thing. I wanted approval of man. And that was a lot of my nerves tonight leading up to this. Um, you know, driving here, I can't remember a thing about the drive here. I have no idea what happened. We just got here. Um, and that was, and you know, the Lord said, you need to fear me. And that's what that, that book has done so much for me. Um, so fearing man should not be the source of your contentment as well as things. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. You've heard this, excuse me, the last couple of weeks from the sermon. Jeff has been there, um, just out of Luke. But this is Matthew's um, account of it. Verse 19, chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, here it is again, there is the position of your heart. There your heart is. Also. So here it is again, the heart. Where is the position of the heart in in this passage of the discontent? Where is the position? Where is the heart in this passage? Anybody? It's the treasures of earth, yeah. Y'all, this is really simple, but it's so needed. So let me offer you a question. If you feel like 
writing these answers down, I think you probably should. What treasures are you storing up here on earth that moth and rust will destroy? And let God, let God convince you of that. So contentment is not longing after things of this world. So hopefully with this definition of contentment from, or somewhat of a definition from Jeremiah Burroughs, and specifically what we've drawn from, from God's word in Philippians, we can move forward now to how the uncomfortableness, are y'all ready, of how our finances connects to the content believer. And as a side note, let me be very clear. Corey Petzold and Clay Petzold do not have it all figured out. And I can already tell that I'm not going to have enough time. Uh, But, you know, we don't have this money thing figured out. Um, And this, I hope, does not come across as a finance 101 class or a get-out-of-debt-free class because it's not that easy. You know, it's... Um, now, what we do have is what I'm calling a financial testimony, um, a testimony of what God did through faith and obedience, okay? So God just told you, Chad, to step out in faith, and that's, that's what, I'm sitting here loving what you're saying, because that's what I'm about to share about that happened eight and a half years ago. Um, so God ultimately, you know, is bringing us to a place of contentment, but we're not there, and we'll just discuss that further in a moment, but in this contentment, your finances, they will come up over the next, you know, two weeks, and they'll even come up tonight. We'll, we'll look at some things, uh, and they should. Your contentment should affect the way you spend your money or God's money. And, and I hope it does. Now, it's going to be front and center. Now, it may not be here physically, your finances, but they will be brought up. Now, whether you acknowledge and confront where you are financially, that is your responsibility. And this was really hard for me to, to write and talk about. So let me offer this. How do we connect contentment to the stewardship of our finances. Very simple. Remember, as Jeff had preached out of Luke over the last, or a few weeks ago, one of the responsibilities of the money manager was simply to manage the money. Very simple. Just manage the money. So here we go. Your practical wisdom nugget number one. Is everybody ready? You must know what funds are coming in and what funds are going out. And I know that sounds profound. It's called having a budget. Okay? Practical wisdom number one, construct a family budget. Now, did you count how many people were here? Yes, total, and then the uh, 
divide. Okay, so the total was what? 60? 59, okay. So, there are 59 people here tonight. <clears throat> A recent Gallup poll uh, done in 2013 of 1,014 homes in America shares with us the number of households who operate on a monthly budget. Now, that's not a, that's not a huge sample size, but it's 1,000 homes. Somebody take a guess. You already know the answer if you were listening. What percentage of households in America operate their home on a monthly budget? A third. So, 19 from 59 is what? 60 to 41. 41 of us here tonight do not have a monthly budget, according to these numbers. Now, I called Barna, the Barna Group research. I called Dave Ramsey and his research. They had not done a specific um, study on Christian homes, because I asked them that question. Barna said that they would do it for $1,500. Just, just a couple of Wednesday nights there, Mr. Barna. Not going to drop 1500 on that. So, so, how does that make you feel in light of where we've been over the last two weeks? How many, of us, how many of us have developed a budget as a result of what we've heard over the last two Sundays? Anybody? So your first movement and your homework assignment for tonight as a believer, if you do not have a budget, is to, as you move towards biblical contentment, is to, is to, is to sit your little self down in front of your computer or your notebook paper. You enter your income on one side and you total it. You enter your expenses on the other side and you total it. And you subtract your total expenses from your total income. And bam! Always wanted to say that. There's your budget. Okay? Okay? Now, obviously, it's not that simple, but it's, it's, it's pretty close. That's very close to what essentially it is. Now, some of you are probably saying, hey, man, I don't need that. I got all that right up here. I know what's coming in. I know what's going out. Baloney. Okay? Write it down and do it today. So why do we do this? Why do we have a budget? Good. This is what we've just talked about. Your contentment is connected to your stewardship. In a lot of where we've been over the last two Sundays, I want to offer this. It's an act of worship. And we've heard, if it's not worship, then it's robbery. So then what is worship? 
Anybody? What's worship? What is worship? Showing your love for God and Christ. Good. Good. It's a, it's, a, it's a response. The key word in responsibility, it's a response. And yes, I would also argue it's a sacrifice. You know, when we give something to the Lord, it should be a sacrifice. Or you need to give more. Really. And by doing this, what you're communicating is that it is so important to me and my family to devote a few evenings a month to figure out what's coming in and what's going out because you're being a good steward of God's money. And remember, whether you give 5% or 25% of your income to the Lord, it's all His. Okay? Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know you, most of you probably know this verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world anymore, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, you, that, by, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is a command here to not conform to the patterns of the world. And to present, present yourself as a sacrifice. If you were here, do you remember this image on Sunday morning? I'm not sure who preached it. I think it was Ben. But it's stuck with me ever since. Have you ever been arrested? This is where I was with God's money when he found me. And what is this a symbol of? Surrender. And so that's what we did. And, you know, Chad, I'm not saying that that's what that dream was, but that's what happened to us. So for us to not want to commit a day a week to the knowing of what's coming in and going out, Financially, it's just simply disobedience. And having a work and a family budget, what it does is it connects you to contentment because it simply informs you of where you are. And why you are where you are financially. Why do I keep overspending? Real simple. Because you don't know where you are. Remember Paul's words. I have learned to be content. Because he knew where he was. He was content. So your first step in practical movement towards biblical contentment is to develop a budget. 
you must know what funds are coming in and what funds are going out. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get the second point in and then we'll, we'll, just, we'll pick up next week um, in the latter part of the lesson. So do you have a financial testimony? Wisdom, practical wisdom, nugget number two. Do you have a financial testimony? We should all have a salvation testimony, obviously. The what's and when's and where's and how's and why's that God has used to drag and draw you to himself. And what he uses to continue to draw, him, draw you to himself to this day. And you should know this and be a witness to it. And Christ has called us to be a witness as he does in, in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Be my witnesses. Not making much of us, but making much of God. And Chad, what would you do? You went and told your folks at work, Hey dude, I had a weird dream about God. Awesome. So what about your financial testimony? Do you know the what's and when's and where's and how that God has, what he has used to drag and draw you to a place of contentment financially? And do you even care? So do you know this? And then do you share it? Do you testify to it as a witness, as you would salvation? And you might be thinking the same thing about budget. Hey, that's not significant. We're all good. Hey, I know what God has done. You know, it's come in, it's going out. I know we're, you know, we're paying our bills, paying them on time. We're tithing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And or you say, dude, I'm in a mess. Nobody's going to want to know or do even care about my mess. And I would challenge that thought process. In light of our sermon over the last two months, and concerning these faith photographs that we've been looking at, having and working a budget is an expression of your faith, by definition. Having hope in something that you can't see. We cannot see financial blessings or the surprises that may come in the future. But being prepared with a family budget will relieve you of this pressure. God sees this as stewardship. Your preparation will relieve you from the pressure. The pressure. Preparation will relieve you from the pressure. So, just real briefly, I'm going to share our testimony in the next three minutes. How far can we go over? In the spring and early summer of 2005, the Petzolds found themselves in a wonderful life of the rat race in Frisco, Texas. We had new cars, we had new houses, we, or, uh, new, we had new babies, that's what we had. <laughs> that was a rat race. Uh, we had new babies, and I think uh, Nate was on the way. And on one Sunday afternoon after church, Corey and I found ourselves in the living room floor of our home, arguing and crying and then ultimately praying about what God would do to deliver us out of our mess. On the outside, things appeared great. 
We were paying our bills and tithing and above and beyond. And we were both working and Brooks was in daycare. And the sermon at church that Sunday was out of Hebrews 11 of all places. That's where we are now. And the title of the sermon was Taking Risks for God. Our faith was challenged, which is what happened with you, Chad. Corey was to the point that with the new baby on the way, she wanted to stay on with the kids full time, and there was no way that we could afford to do this with my income only. So that Sunday afternoon, after arguing and praying, yes, that's how we roll in the Petzl house. We argue and then we pray. God led us by faith to put the house on the market. And we were thinking, well, where are we going? Where are we going to live? What are the schools going to be like there? We can't live on my income alone. So we traveled all over the Metroplex looking for this promised land. The second person to look at our house bought it. Did y'all know that? They paid cash for it. Now we have to be out of the house in one month, find a temporary home, do all these things, move. Oh, God, it was nuts. We found a house just a few miles away, and the landlord was willing to let us stay in there for six months while we, you know, figure out what we were going to do. My territory, Greenville was a part of my territory, so here I am coming out on 380, and I call Brad Cartwell, and I say, hey, dude, where do y'all live now? He said, Caddo Mills. I'm like, well, where's that? So I shoot down um, 36, and I found this guy. I uh, found some land and a landowner, three acres of land. And I called Corey, and I told her that I had found the promised land. <laughs> and I ain't joking. I did. And I was crying. I got up in the back of his truck. Where's Nathan at? Is Nathan Green here? Nathan Green's daddy's truck. He got in the back of the truck and it was, a, it was a cornfield. And I'm like, man, this is it. So I called Corey and I told her and promised she still makes fun of me today, I know. So now we're like, okay, what about a home builder? Found a builder. And then this is where you, you think you're in a mess, which we were. How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to afford this? What are we going to do? So I go to this guy and I say, Hey, dude, I need to, you know, I want to build a home and, and present him my plans and told him my story. And he said, well, you know what? We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing for what it cost me to build it. He goes, I typically don't do anything less than $300,000. I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's way out of our range. But he goes, I'm going to do this because I want to kind of get in this market of this home. And, and I'm going to do, I like what you're doing with your family. I'm going I'm to do this for what it cost me to build it. So, it's not the prettiest thing on the block, and he made some mistakes. <laughs> Toilet's too close to the tub, stuff like that. <laughs> but God provided an ark, and we believed him, and once again, we were rescued. And so, I say all that to share the details, because when you're in the middle of a mess, your faith will waver. And y'all listen. If the statistics are true, 
There's a lot of y'all in a mess. And it didn't make sense to us. And you're going to go home tonight and you're going to begin to develop this budget and you're going to go, you know what? It doesn't add up. It's just not going to add up. And I'm going to leave you there. Next week what we're going to do is I'll show you and don't ask me why I still have this. I really, there's, there's no reason I still had this with this particular snapshot of our budget. But it shows what we made. I'll show you all my trash. I don't care. I don't, I really, I don't care anymore. Okay. It shows what we made. And we were $227 in the hole when we moved into the house in Caddo Mills, Texas. A month. It doesn't make sense. And I'll leave you with that. We'll pick up here next week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray that you were glorified tonight and that you were made famous tonight. And God, um, I just pray for those. God, I pray for those who have a budget and um, are in a good place, that they are doing with your money what you want them doing with your money. And I pray, God, for the ones that, that, that need your help and that need people in this body to come around them, that they would confess their mess and that you would allow them to pick up their mess and rescue them, and provide an ark. Um, God, you're so awesome. I thank you for what you've done in, in, in my life, and my family's life. And God, I give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in the families in this, in this particular body in the future. We love you, Lord. We thank you most of all for Jesus, who, where we find complete contentment, always. His name we pray. Amen. Okay, see you all next week.